Psalm 46. I want to talk to you about what we talked about last week. God is already there. Let's say it together. God is already there. Let's say it again. God is already there. Sometimes we have a posture that says, well, if we pray, God will get going. He'll get there, but he's already there. He sees the end from the beginning, and he's on it. Praise God. God is already there. So we want to welcome our broadcast this evening. We are River Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and we are ministering today on God is Already There. So I ask you the question, we always ask a question at the beginning, do you have a tribulation? Do you have a consternation? Do you have an obligation? Do you have a needful manifestation? Do you have a situation? I'm here to announce God is already there. He's already got there wherever you are, wherever you're heading, wherever you're leaving, he's already there. In Psalm 46.1, I want to talk about how God is always there. It says in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. He's already there, a very present help in trouble. Say that part with me. A very present help in trouble. He's already there. The trouble, you got trouble, you had trouble, you're going to have trouble. Ah, it's no big deal. God's already there. Let me just read these to you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, every test, every test. Are y'all there? Every test that you have experienced is the kind that normally comes to people. But God keeps his promise. And he will not allow, I want you to know, he will not allow you to be tested beyond your power to remain firm. At the time, at the time you are put to the test, he will give you the strength to endure it and so provide you a way out. God is already there. He, this is his word on the situation, the consternation, the obligation. He's already there. Romans 8.31 says, if God be for us, is he? he? He is. Then who can be against us? God's already there. Those people that are against you, it doesn't matter. God's already there for you. Praise God. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, now thanks be unto God who always causeth us to triumph. He's always there. God is already there. Uh, for 2 Timothy 2.13 in the, in the multiple choice version, the Amplified, if we are faithless, do not believe and are untrue to him, he remains true, faithful to his word and his righteous character. Look, 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 for he cannot, he cannot deny himself. The truth is, where's God? He's in me. And if I get wonky, he stays right there. He doesn't blow up and blow out and say, I, I've had enough of that. He stays with us. He cannot deny himself. He's in us, and it won't ever change. Even when we're faithless. You ever had a little spell, a little slide back, a little weak spot, a little hesitation? Sure. Didn't, didn't, the Lord never flittered. In Hebrews 13, 5, you'll like this one. He has said, I will never leave thee, or what? Or forsake thee. So God's already there. God's already there. Never, never leave. Never leave your warm side. Never leave your situation. Never leave the battle. 
Wow, I like these verses. There's a hundred more, but that's all we're going to do tonight. Praise God. Let's turn with me to Mark chapter 5, if you would. Let's talk about God's already there. Let's, let's find out how we can get confident about that and have a, a, an assurance that, hey, I'll take on anything. I'll take on the bear, the lion, and bring that giant because God's already there. Greater is he that is in me than he that's out there on the battlefield. Chapter 5 of uh, Mark, verse 35. We looked at this last week, but we're going to look at it again. While he yet spake, there came, from the, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain. So some folks showed up, and they said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Isn't it amazing how people have advice with their facts. They come in and say, she's dead, and here's what we think you ought to do. Well, hallelujah. I don't think that's ever going to change. So while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, what'd they say? What was the report? There's a report. There's a good report. Woo-hoo. And then there's the bad report. Everybody's had a little of a both. Good, bad, or indifferent in between. But there came a bad report. And uh, we all have different reports. Some people take reports different. You can have two people standing next to each other and tell them both the same thing. And one of them loses it, and one of them says, ah, ah. No step for a stepper. God's already there. And over here, they're having a, they're having a meltdown, having, just losing it. I told you about the woman I saw in the movie that the, the elevator stopped and rattled and cranked a little bit, and she just fell in the floor. And we're all going to die. We're all going to die. Everybody's just looking at her. <laughs> Don't be that girl in the elevator. So everybody deals with reports. It's not if they're going to come, it's when they're going to come. You're going to get a good report, and the, the bad report's not even bad if you know what to do with it. It comes as bad. It presents itself and says, take me as bad. I mean for it to be bad. I mean to put you under, but we're working on being strong in the Lord and the power of his might where we pay no attention to that. That's just a report. That's just something my faith's going to come over. Hallelujah. So uh, verse 36 says, while he yet spake. No, let's see. Verse 36. Yeah. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, as soon, as soon as he heard the word spoken. Point yourself and say, be sooner. <laughs> as soon as he heard, as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, so it must be that, that you can change your mind in just a second, in just a moment. Because the Lord Jesus intercepted his thought pattern that was fixing to a, a, a react to this bad report. It was sent to put him under. And Jesus said, don't do it. He said, be not afraid, only believe. Well, that's a good word for all of us. I'm pointing to myself, point with you, to, with me to, to say, be not afraid. Only believe. Now, I'm telling you, there's some reports coming, and you're going to remember this that says, you know, we said it in that service that night. Be not afraid. Only believe. It's just a bad report. It doesn't mean it's going to be anything. It doesn't mean it's going to have its end. It just means the report, the hearing of the news or the hearing of the situation has come into my head. Jesus said the remedy to that is be not afraid. Obviously, a bad report has the potential to bring fear. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? But he said, don't do it. Only believe. Only believe. Now, I'm going to read the amplified version. 
Let's see where I put that. Oh, here it is. Verse 36 in the Amplified. It says, listen to this. Overhearing, but ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Only keep on believing. The Amplified did that real well. Overhearing, but ignoring. Overhearing. Heard, he heard the bad report that was sent to the ruler, and he ignored it. You're going to have to ignore some things when it comes to bad reports. On the other hand, we've also found that uh, sometimes the good report is not that good either. You know, the bad's not as bad as it seems, and the good's not as good as it seems. And um, it's, just, it's just our way of life. You know, you can get excited about the air you breathe. Well, we should. It's good air. It's, it helps and all that. But after a while, it's just air. Hallelujah. And we get to doing it. It's a good report, but it doesn't matter. So here's what happens. A choice follows every report. A decision has to be made every time you hear a report. God is, ever, is already there. And so based on knowing that, believing that, being imparted to that, that God is already there, we can couch our reaction, our decision, our choice of what to do with the bad report. If we don't know God is already there, if we think we're all alone, I'm stranded with this bad report, with this bad news, well, you know, it sinks your ship. And sometimes we get you back and sometimes we can't. But if you already know, ah, God's already there. God saw this way before it came, way before I saw it. He already saw it. He already has a plan, an exit plan. What, what was that scripture I read to you? Every test that you have experienced is the kind that normally comes to people. But God keeps his promise. He will not allow you to be tested beyond your power to remain firm at the time you are put to the test. He will give you the strength. So here's the report. It's bad. God's giving me the strength to endure it and so provide a way out. God's already there. He's already sent the strength. He's already got the angels posted. He's already got the, uh, the, the power of, of Jesus in you over devils. It's already been given to you. We're not trying to think of something or figure out something. God's already there. This is a good word, y'all, because everybody has to know that. So a choice follows everything that comes to you concerning your faith. You, you don't know if you make a decision or not. Sometimes we think, I didn't make a decision. Sure. If you didn't make a decision, you made a decision. If you, didn't, if you didn't go with God and you went to fear, you went to anxiety, you went to unbelief, you made a decision. said, I'm capitulating. I'm giving up. I'm just going to, this one, I've done this before where you go, you know, I should have been in faith about this. I don't, I don't believe I'm in faith right now. I'm just going to go take a pill. I'm just going to do what the doctor says. But I don't want to make those decisions like that anymore. I don't want to be at the, at the behest of the report. I want to rise up and say, I'm making a better decision. I'm making a better choice than that. So what's our choices? We looked at it last week. The number one choice is, like, is just exactly what the Lord Jesus did. Overhearing but ignoring. Our first choice is to ignore the contrary report. Ignore it. What does that mean? You cannot repeat it. What'd you say again? How bad is it? Well, what them other people say about it? Oh, that bad. Oh, worse than we thought. Since you came in this room, it's already worse. You're already ginning it up and embellishing it and working on it and getting pretty anxious about it. 
You cannot repeat it. You, you overhear it, but you ignore it. If you want to win in the bad and the good report realm, you have to ignore some of the reports. And the second thing you can do, we looked at this just for a moment last week, is you can resist the devil. Point to yourself and say, resist the devil. Okay, so you can ignore it, you hear it, you know, what, you know what the news is, you know what the position is, and so you just ignore it. But sometimes you can't ignore it. It's incessant, it's repetitive, it's, uh, it's, uh, it surrounds you, and you have to resist the devil, not resist the report. Now, if they do tests on you and say, well, this is elevated and this doesn't look good and everything, you can't resist the report. You just can't say, oh, the report came in, but I'm not going to look at it. Because I just don't want to know. That's not, that's not winning. You can ignore it and just say, I'm going to ignore the bad news. But if it comes, you're not going to win unless sometimes you resist the devil. Turn with me to uh, James chapter 4, just because I want you to see it in your Bible. And I want you to underline it, put a star by it. How, how do you, everybody's got their own style of, I'll remember this. Well, this is one of them. If you put little stars, little stickers, little, little circles around, whatever you do, this is the one you do. Verse 7 of chapter 4 in James. We're going to read it together because this is powerful. This, this is your life. This is my life. Verse 7, ready, read. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now let's put it in first person. Michael, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from me. Now, this is truth. This isn't opinion. This isn't advice. This isn't counsel. This isn't a, uh, a, a protocol. This is truth. When we resist the devil, we're only able to resist him to the level that we submit ourselves to God. So you only have power going down to the devil to the same level that you're reaching up to God. If there's no up, then there's no down. People chatter and carry on. Oh, I resist you, devil. Get away from me. But they don't have anything from above to work on that which is below. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Then, and to proportion to in the same degree, resist the devil. And then it says something very important. It says, and he will flee. One version says, we'll run, off, uh, we'll run off naked in stark terror. I kind of like that translation. I don't remember where it is, but it's in there somewhere. <laughs> uh, the passion, let's see. The passion says, so then surrender to God. Stand up to the devil and resist him. And he will turn and run away from you. Now, what will, your, what will your confirmation be that he turned and ran? What will be the sense, the affirmation, the, the thing that you look at or see or know that, that he left? There is none in the physical realm. You won't have a feeling? Well, that was pretty easy. Now, if you got a dog that chases you and you turn around and tell that thing what to do in the name of Jesus, you know if it worked or not. But the devil, you don't know. So how do you ever know? It's by faith. The word is true. I said, flee, therefore. I resist you, therefore, 
you must go, period. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Let's look at how this plays in reality. And no better than the Lord Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 4, let's look in, uh, how about verse 9. So uh, the Lord Jesus is in the wilderness after he got filled with the Holy Ghost. And the devil has come, Satan has come to tempt him. He's hungry, he hasn't eaten. And uh, verse 9 is the, I think it's the third, dis, uh, the third temptation. So uh, the devil saith unto him, all these things will I give thee. So the verse before shows all the things that he'll give him. All these things I will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. One translation implies if you'll just worship me once. Because you know once is everything. You can't be Lord of all if you've worshipped the devil. So it was subtle. It was like hath God said in the garden. So the devil's always going to tell you just if you just worship me once, it won't hurt. Nobody's looking. I won't tell. It just, just do a quick little on your knees and back up. It, it'll, it'll be nothing, and we will eat. We'll eat good this evening. We'll All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So how are we going to resist the devil? The Lord Jesus resisted him with the word of God. It's the only thing. In some movies, werewolf movies and stuff, you see the commercials. I've never watched one, but you know, they, and, and back in the dark ages, they had this where a cross, they, they would do exorcism with a cross, you know, and the, and the cross would have this power. No power. There's only one power over the devil. It's the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. So, uh, in the, uh, let's see, in verse 11 in the Passion, says, At once the accuser left him, and angels suddenly gathered around Jesus to minister to his needs. Well, I may have got ahead of myself. We hadn't read that part yet, have we? Uh, verse 11, Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Passion, at once the accuser left, and angels suddenly gathered around Jesus to minister to his needs. At once the devil left, and immediately the angels came. Now, we just got to get in faith about this. We got to know how to get to Grandma's house. We got to know if it's north, south, east, or west. We can't just say, ah, let's pick one, throw a dollar. If you want to get to Grandma's house, you got to know what the road is and what it looks like when you get there. And if you want to know how to deal with the devil, you got to know how. You can't be going through your Rolodex and saying, let's try this and let's try that. Deal with him according to the word. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. When does that happen? Every day. Every day. Just, Lord, I'm... Uh, Jesse Duplantis says, I'm yours to command. I like that. Here am I, send me, Isaiah said. We submit, we come under, we deal with sin, we deal with disobedience. When it happens, we deal with it. Lord, I, I am sorry, I repent for not saying that what I should have, or saying that that I shouldn't have. We, we just are quick to, quick to respond to his lordship. We don't drive him down like little kids with their parents. Just over and over, gnawing, gnawing away at their feet. Hallelujah. We are quick to come under. Therefore, 
we are quick to go over. If you've come under, it's easy to go over. The devil is no match for the man and woman that is submitted unto God. It's not lawful. You don't have to be in church six times a month and you have to pray seven, 17 hours or you read so. It's not. It's lordship. You're, you're, you're available to whatever he wants you to do. Blank check. You sign the check and just say, Lord, here, you fill it in, whatever it is. Ephesians 4.27. You're right there. We've got just a few more minutes. About 60. <laughs> oh, and all the Smiths said amen. <laughs> Ephesians 4.27. Here's another one that you should have a little star around. They're all good. They're all the, the word of God's all anointed, but not all of it's anointed equally for us. The begats are a little bit slow. Y'all know it's hard to get the devil out of your house with the begats. But here, here, it says in verse 27, let's read it together. Neither give place to the devil. We looked at that. That word place means a lot of things. Uh, it means opportunity. Neither give opportunity to the devil. It means license. Don't sanction him against you. Our words do that. Well, I'm just, I'm just afraid that I'm going to die. Well, the, you know, we, we sanction him. Uh, permission. Neither give permission to the devil. Looks like we're going to go under this year. Looks like we're not going to make it. Looks like woe is me. The doctor said these symptoms were going to take me out. That's giving place to the devil. And then if you hang out with a drug dealer or if you go get drunk every Saturday night, that's giving place to the devil. But, but in a simpler way, we resist him for the bad report. He'll bring a false report, a bad report about everything. Oh, right now we're so tuned in in our culture right now with all the medicines and commercials on TV. And we all know so much. We've all been uh, uh, exposed to so much. I'm telling you at our house, I know you do too. We put the off button on it. When they come on with medicine, we're, we're out. We're gone. We, it's time to go to the potty right there. I don't know if y'all go to the potty during TV, but uh, if you do, that's the best time to go. Have I said that just right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, never get, neither give place. So never, neither give opportunity, never, neither give license, neither give permission to the devil, neither give attention to the devil. Now, Jesse said this. I'm going to send you all this video. But Jesse said, he said, if you'll ignore the devil, he gets, he, he's an attention hog. He's, uh, he, he wants, just like we looked in Matthew, if you'll ignore him, He'll eventually go away. The word says of uh, the devil, uh, Satan, in that same Mark, Matthew 4 passage, that he went away until he could come for a more opportune time, which never happened. Well, we got to drive him off. And he said, you know, this isn't a good time. This isn't a good time. Joey is hot. Joey is on it. Joey is, you know, we're going to get a bunch of thus it is written. And so we're going to come back when he's not so good. So ignore and resist. God is already there. We're going to ignore or we're going to resist. We're going to deal with speculation. I want to talk about speculation tonight. We're in a society of action and reaction. Every society is. Every culture is. But we're especially attentive to it. Because we have so many detailed machines and so many detailed protocols just to drive a car. 
Have you ever thought about all the things that are going on, the instruments and the, and the dings and, uh, you know, I had to put my seatbelt tonight on because it just kept dinging. That's a joke, y'all. <laughs> so we're in this society that everything is talking to us and it's a synchronized speculation. This happens and we immediately jump to that will happen. The doctor gives us a report and said, this is what it looks like today. I give you 60 or to 90 days to be it's going to be over unless you tie into my special protocol of, uh, of uh, healing and health. I'm exaggerating, of course, but that's what, that's what it is. Uh, the truth is, uh, losing your money doesn't mean that you can't have your wants. I didn't look it up, but I meant to. That I think it's in Isaiah where it says, uh, Isaiah 55 or 6, somewhere in there. Read the whole book. It'll do you good. <laughs> where it says, ho, those that are thirsty and buy without money. I'm way, way bungling that, but that's, it says that in Isaiah. Do y'all remember the scripture? Yes. You can buy without money. Well, just because you don't have money doesn't mean you're under the bridge. It just means it's coming another way. Talk to me. It means it's coming another way. It doesn't mean it's the end of anything. It means it's the beginning of something else. Here in the church, we, we, we never, we never get fixated on anybody because anybody that's giving or doing or whatever, you, that's not the lifeline of River Church. It shouldn't be your lifeline. Like, oh my, my one lifeline is gone. They're, they're not liking me anymore. They're not, I has nothing to do with it. God's got a bunch of streams. And when one of them dries up, he just opens the gate to the next one. And here it comes. I'm telling you, action and reaction is the main limitation to us walking by faith. Because we hear or see something and we jump, we speculate to this is what's going to happen. When there is no, there is no, God did not say that's going to happen. We're just too smart. We just know too much. We just think that way. Uh, having alarming systems does not mean you're going to be sick. Why? We got a temperature of 101. Well, we're going to die or we're going to have to, you know, it's like, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't go there. I'm not saying being an idiot with 101, but especially with your children. We are never advocating you exercise your faith for your children. You experiment on you. Leave those babies alone. Uh, I've seen several people in this last two years that were under seemingly impossible odds and situations. And there seems like there's no way out. But I'm here to tell you tonight, God is already there. It's not, it's not, you can't see how it is. Who would have thought, who would have thought that in the wilderness that God could say to Moses, or yeah, Moses, strike the rock and water, so much water would come out that 600,000 people and their cattle could be watered. And then when they, he said, let's move on, the water would follow them to the next place from that rock. Now that's not in your, your, bi your biology or your physics 101. That's not anywhere. Who would have thought that you could cast a hook in, and pull up a fish that would have two gold coins in it? Who would have thought you could put a, a twig into a river and the axe head that was lost would swim? None of this. So God's got streams. God's got ways. God's got avenues. He's already there. And you go, well, this is my fault. I deserve to do that. 
Well, a lot of stuff is our fault, but we don't deserve any of it. Don't ever go there where I'm guilty. Therefore, this trouble is, is it's going to have to play out because I was bad to the bone. Grace. Thank you, Lord, for grace. Grace just takes care of it. And, you know, we just repent and say, Lord, that's my bad. And he said, let me fish you out. Let me fish you out. I got some tricks. I got some plans. I got some strategies. Nobody's even heard. They're exceeding abundantly above what you could even think. You go, well, I don't know if I've ever seen that. Well, that's because your action and reaction. That's because you jump from one thing you know to one thing that you don't know. And then you make the unknown your known. Well, it looks like we're going to get laid off. Looks like we're not going to have, they're going to cut us back. Therefore, we won't be able to make our car payment. Therefore, we can't go on vacation. Therefore, it's just crazy-eyed how Christians can have no confidence in the future that Jesus purchased and bought and, and, and affirmed with a covenant. We ought to just say, wow, this dried up, but it's going to come another way. Even, even the man of God, Elijah, when, when the brook dried up, the man, the Lord sent him to a widow and she didn't have anything. She said, I'm fixing to eat this little dab we've got. Me and the boy going in, we're going to eat it and die. How's that for a welcome home party? How's that for your, your, your neighborhood supermarket saying we got plenty? And yet, and yet, the barrel of, of uh, meal never ran out. Oh, we need some miracles. We need... I'm not saying go to the edge, but I'm saying when you get an action against your life, a bad report against your life, refuse to say that bad report is going to be bad in my life. Just say God is able. He's already there. I don't know how he's already there or how it's going to work out, but I know he's already there. The, the greatest faith for daily tests is daily answers. Where you pray out the answer, my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Himself bear my sins, I, my own sins in his body on the tree, that I, having died to sin, should live under righteousness by whose stripes I was healed. You fix it before it's broken. But if we're always throwing a lifeline because we're out there drowning... You know, one day you're going to miss the lifeline and it's going, you're going to go under two or three or 17 times. Praise God. Uh, in Mark chapter 5, we looked at it, verse 36. Jesus asked Jairus to ignore the undeniable. Listen, y'all, dead is dead. It wasn't like, oh, your daughter's coughing real bad or she's. No, she was dead. Yeah, real dead. And. Uh, so what did the Lord do? He put everybody out versus giving place to the devil. He was surrounded in an environment that was yielded to the devil. They were wailing and carrying on because they said she was dead. And that's what you do when someone's dead. Well, he had to re reverse the atmosphere. You and I have to reverse the atmosphere. Don't tell your troubles. Don't tell your bad report to somebody so they can throw their little brick into the pile and say, wow, it's bad. That's called Job's friends. We don't need any more of those. Keep your own counsel unless you can go find someone that says, I'm a little tottery right now. Would you agree with me? Would you, would you lay hold with me? Would you, will you come in and, and lend your faith to me? That's what you got to do. Well, God's got this. No, you got to get in faith about it or find someone that can. That's why we pray 
two or more together. That's why we lay hold of each other. So uh, now here's my, here's my saying. Here's my, my final, well, not my final, but here it is. You cannot pass the test until you can rejoice in it. Amen. James chapter 1 tells us that. Count it all joy when you fall in divers' trials, knowing that the trying of your faith produces patience. So until we rejoice despite our tests, not because of it, well, God sent some bad stuff to me, and I'm supposed to be happy. Well, he didn't send it, but you are supposed to be happy anyway. And let me just give you some counsel about this. You cannot rejoice in your test if you're paying attention to all the details. I want the doctor to send me all my results. I need to know what this specialist says. I need to know what the banker, another banker will say. You know, if you know all the details about it, it's not going to get better. The details are not going to paint you a better picture because the devil's given the bad report. So you don't have to know all the reports, all the details. You just say, my God, he's already there. My God is already there. I'm listening to him saying, Lord, do I turn to the left or turn to the right? What do you want me to do? We got a situation here. What do you want me to do? Because there's always a way to win. There's always a path out. And, and you know this. Faith is always the easy answer. My yoke is easy. My, my burden is light. Divorce is the hard answer. Bankruptcy is the hard answer. Uh, 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 going medical. I've been medical a bunch. I didn't like not one minute of it. It's the hard route. I always regretted I did not stay in faith or get in faith or whatever it took, and I had to resort to that. I'm, I'm, I'm repenting right here, y'all. It shouldn't have happened, but it did. And the Lord got me through. He meets you where you are. He doesn't stick his finger out and say, well, you're medical. I, I got to go. I'm going on vacation. I can't buy this. He stays right there. He cannot deny himself. Let me tell you about, I got just a minute here. Uh, this testimony. This one's old. There was two women with the same type of cancer, and coincidentally or whatever, they both had about the same time to live. But they got into some meetings, and they both got healed. They both got healed, and the they went back to the doctor. These are two separate women, and uh, the doctor gave them both a clean bill of health. And uh, six months later in the church, one of the women requests prayer because all the symptoms have returned. Y'all have heard this before. I mean, it's all over the world. This happens all the time. But the other lady, the lady that had no symptoms, she said this. She said, all the symptoms came back to me too. But you don't need prayer. You need to resist them and ignore them. Wow. So Brother Hagen, this is, that's how old this is. He was in that church. He came, he's telling this story. He, he, he asked about the two amazing healings of these women that were both scheduled to die at the same time. And the pastor said, we just did the funeral of the sick one and said when they did, before we buried her, they did an autopsy and they found no cancer. She died believing lying symptoms. They told her the report and she reacted to the report and said, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. She believed what she felt. She believed what she heard. I got all sorts of secular stories about people uh, in the placebo effect 
that uh, believed something. And uh, there's one man that that froze to death in a boxcar. And the unit had been broken. The refrigeration unit had been broken for two years. But he believed it. It's quite a story. Um, But this woman did not ignore or resist what comes to everyone. I said it comes to everyone. You're like, well, those women are really in bad shape. Symptoms come to everybody. Financial ruin always plays a little scene in front of everybody. I don't know what would work for you. I don't know what the devil could do, but he knows the song to every sad song. He knows the words, and he'll play it for you. Um, I happen to have a grandmother. It wasn't my grandmother, but it was her grandmother, and she got healed of cancer in her hip. And uh, so she's rocking along. This is real similar, the first one. And uh, she got a pain in her hip. Well, she'd already been healed of it in that hip. So she thought, you know what she thought, it's back. So uh, she lost her hope. We watched it right there in front of us. She didn't have any hope. She got healed by medicine. But here's what happened to Granny Hixie. She got mad at God. I was her pastor. I know exactly what happened. She got mad at God, and here's why she got mad. She said, God, I am a soul winner, and she was some kind of soul winner. If you went to the store with Granny Hixie, you're going to take a while because she's going to witness to everybody. She said, God, I'm a soul winner. This is not fair. This isn't right. I expect you to take care of me because I am a soul winner. Now, do you all know that's wrong? Well, she did die. And they did go into her hip, and she did not have one cell of cancer. But she just, she got wild-eyed. She got a pain in her hip, and she just lost it. So faith holds the line when the pressure to quit comes. I've been there, you've been there, we've all been tempted to quit. Maybe not quit all the way, like I'm just going to leave this world, but we've been tempted to come off of something that seemed hard. And uh, faith doesn't have joy in what other people says. It has faith in, it has joy in the Word of God. So we got to get in the Word. You got to know where a few scriptures are. You got to know somebody that knows where a few scriptures are. You got to be able to get a book and says, well, here's some scriptures in here. It doesn't change uh, when symptoms come and change or move around. It can't affect what you and I say. I have to keep saying, God's already there. The word's true, the word's true, the word's true, and it's true for me, and it's true for me right now. And God's already there. Now, y'all may have heard this story. It was about a blind woman that got healed in an Oral Roberts meeting. So, you know, this is pretty old. And uh, she got healed. She was totally blind. But later, she lost her miracle. Uh, Her sight began to fade until she became completely blind again. She's in an Oral Roberts meeting. But here's the thing about this woman. She never acknowledged the loss. She never said, well, I lost mine and I'm going back. It looks like God couldn't keep it. He, she never said in it. What she said was, thank God I can see. Thank God I can see. And suddenly there was a reversal in her life and she gained her vision back. And they say she died seeing perfectly. It's us. Ephesians 6.13 says, wherefore take on the Take, up the, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Withstand in the evil day. 
What's the evil day? It's any day that you're under some symptoms, some, some calamities, some tribulation. That's the evil day when you're under attack. Well, there's not many days that you're not under attack, if not physically or financially or maritally, or, but just the bombarding of your head. You're no good. This isn't going to work out. You might as well give up. Uh, faith will say, I resisted the devil and he's gone. The devil will always say, I'm not gone and I'm still here. But what does faith say? I submitted myself, therefore, to God. I resist you, devil. You must leave and he will leave. You're like, it's, it's got to be more complicated than that. It's got to have 16 steps and you got to hold your mouth just right and you got to have this ear bent over a little bit. Nope, that's it. That's the whole story right there. Uh, The only thing we have to kind of work on, I've, I've seen this over and over, is people that resist and resist and resist, it makes it back to real. You know, in other words, you, risk, you resist on Monday and you resist on Tuesday and you resist on Wednesday, but 30 days later, you're not resisting. There's got to be a confidence that I resisted him and he fled. If, if you're always, well, I still feel like it. Well, yeah, you may feel like it for a year in the sense of, what he's able to do, but you got to take the word in hand one time and say, he's gone. God's already there. I'm so glad God's already there. I've been through some toughies, and I'd have done better if I knew, if I knew, if I knew God was already there. But I was looking for him. Oh, God, God help me. He was already there. God, if you don't come, I'm done. He was already there. He already had the plan. I've got stories and after stories after stories of moving from Texas and just the ministry and just life and children and family and relations that just say, it looked tough, but God was already there. Amen. Amen. Did that work? Amen. Well, I want to thank our broadcast audience for tuning in with us tonight. I want to remind you that God is already there. And it doesn't matter what you're facing. You may say, I've got something unique. Nobody's ever done this before. But the Bible says that you hadn't got anything going that's not normal to life. So take the antidote to that, the name of Jesus, and get free. God bless you. Amen.